morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, December 1st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Russian oil sanctions could be here to stay. And the FT's Nicholas Maga explains how investors are using artificial intelligence to decode what CEOs are saying during earnings calls. Plus, markets are banking on interest rate cuts sooner rather than later. You know, yes, interest rate cuts might sound fantastic, but really deep recessions don't sound super fantastic. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The U.S. wants to cut Russia's oil and gas revenues in half by the end of the decade. That's what top U.S. energy diplomat Jeffrey Pyatt told the FT. Pyatt said the West should keep sanctions in place for a lot longer. That would, theoretically, make it harder for Russia to invade another one of its neighbors. Now, even with the sanctions, Russia is still exporting a lot of oil. It's been able to get around a Western price cap. But the International Energy Agency says if the West keeps up its sanctions, Pyatt's goal could be a reality. Markets have been pretty volatile this year. Equities around the world have been up and down, and government bonds, especially in the U.S., have taken a real beating. But when the calendar turned to November, everything changed. The S&P 500 ended last month nearly 9% higher, and U.S. Treasuries had their best month since, well, since leg warmers were in fashion. Here to talk about why November was such a totally stellar month is the FT's markets editor, Katie Martin. Hey, Katie. Hey, how are you doing? So, Katie, why were investors so confident in November? Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a funny old month. <laughs> sure has. Um, yeah, I mean, really, what kind of fired people up in November was a set of payrolls data from the states, which showed that the pace at which the U.S. economy is adding jobs has slowed down quite markedly. And this has really encouraged investors who've been sitting around all year thinking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Has the Federal Reserve finished raising rates? It's finally given people enough confidence to think, huh, maybe they actually have finished raising rates. And the the mood music from the Fed itself has been, yeah, you know, we're going to tread a little bit more carefully now. We've been very aggressive. We've raised interest rates really hard, really fast. Maybe it's time to sit back and take stock. And for markets, this just changes everything. Yeah. And something I found really interesting, Katie, is that some members of the Fed, they're being even more explicit about what they think about interest rates. Yeah, so just the other day, we had some comments from Christopher Waller, who is who is a hawkish member of, of the Federal Reserve. And he was saying, if we continue to see this disinflation, then, you know, potentially, even if we're not right back down to the Fed's sort of 2% target, maybe there will be scope to start lowering rates. And it's like, wait, what? The hawks are saying this now? Now, this is not the sort of comment that the Fed starts chucking out there if it feels like the market is going too fast or is going in the wrong direction. So that's quite significant that the Fed is saying, as you were, you know, carry on, no objection from us if you want to price in, you know, quite aggressive interest rate cuts. Yeah, but still, Katie, there have been cracks in the global economy caused by higher interest rates. I mean, are investors maybe unfurling the mission accomplished banner too soon? Because yeah, interest rates may drop, but even if they do doesn't mean we're clear of a recession yet, right? So one of the things that's worth bearing in mind um, is 
If we do get to the point where the Fed is cutting interest rates sooner than you might previously have anticipated, that kind of sounds good from the point of view that higher interest rates generally hurt stock markets and uh, and push up bond yields. So it sounds good the Fed you know, starts cutting again, but think about why would it start cutting sooner? It would only start cutting sooner than you previously anticipated if inflation is still run, running above target, if something terrible happens. <laughs> right, right. This is the parachute and you only use the parachute if you're falling out of the plane. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to think about, be careful what you wish for. You know, yes, interest rate cuts might sound fantastic, but really deep recessions don't sound super fantastic to me anyway. So you have to be a little bit careful kind of what, what the framework is here. Right now, the market thinks that the Fed is going to achieve the impossible. It's going to achieve this soft landing. And yeah, look, that could be overly optimistic. I don't know, you don't know, nobody in the market knows, but it wouldn't be the first time that the market has got this stuff wrong. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thank you, Katie. My pleasure. When the chair of the Federal Reserve speaks, investors everywhere pay attention. If it becomes appropriate to tighten policy further, we will not hesitate to do so. Take that line from Fed Chair Jay Powell. He was speaking at a research conference recently. That statement conveyed enormous confidence. We measured a strong intensity. The speech rate picked up. And so I think we need to take Fed Chair Powell at his word. David Pope, the chief data scientist at Speechcraft Analytics, is doing more than just analyzing Powell's words with his own ears. He's actually using artificial intelligence. And while that's handy... What happens when this AI technology is used on chief executives and it starts to change investor strategy? Here to explain is the FT's Nicholas McGaugh. He covers capital markets. So Nick, what exactly is Pope doing with Jay Powell's remarks here? So in a sense, he's kind of doing what humans do whenever they talk to someone. You don't just listen to the words, but you listen to the tone of voice and tell if someone is getting annoyed at you or if they're really enthusiastic versus if they're just kind of like slowly reading out and sounding bored. The difference is they're trying to do this in a much more systematic way using AI. So marrying the words that executives speak with their voice tone provides a much richer, deeper insight. The way Dave explained it was they really break a recording down into kind of its constituent parts. Uh, So first of all, what we do is we look for where the words and the voice tone are in alignment. So maybe the executive is optimistic and his voice, her voice is equally optimistic. And we'll pick up kind of tiny changes in pitch or tone that might not be obvious or even audible at all to a normal person just listening. More interestingly is when there's a divergence between the words that are spoken and the voice tone. And that reveals that perhaps the um, the executives doesn't actually believe the uh, meaning of the words that they're speaking. Okay, so Nick, where are we starting to see this AI technology being used? Like, how is Dave using it? In theory, you could apply it for any type of recording. It'd be especially useful in situations where you will have multiple examples from the same person over time. And so that makes it particularly useful for, say, company management who speak at their quarterly earnings calls, plus industry conferences and presentations and so on. So we create a baseline for each speaker, and then we look for deviations from that baseline. 
Dave had a nice example where we looked at an earnings call from earlier this year from Illumina, which is a healthcare company that mainly does gene sequencing, but had been under a lot of pressure over an acquisition that it had done a couple of years previously, Grail. The voice tone of uh, the CEO, D'Souza, was quite shaky, but really sort of went off the rails when the topic of discussion turned to the Grail regulatory process. Uh, in terms of Grail, um, so, you know, the path to divestiture uh, is, 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 is sort of lead to answer your question. What's the, path to- the overall company, Illumina, was having regulatory issues from competition authorities, and it was also under pressure from activist investors. And the nervousness reached a heightened peak around uh, that topic. His answers, if you just looked at the words, were fairly positive. But every time that topic came up, when you look at the actual audio of it, the pace changes, the pitch changes, there's even at one point an audible gulp. Uh, We expect to get decisions around the two most important appeals in that time frame. So about a couple of months after D'Souza resigned. I see. So if I'm an investor and I see the AI picking up on that nervousness in Francis D'Souza's voice, I might say, hey, that makes me nervous. I might sell my shares. That's super interesting. So Nick, do you think that people will start doing that on a wider scale, making investment decisions based off of AI? I think it's certainly part of a future. I mean, it's at an early stage still, but there have been a bunch of studies that have shown it seems to help add to investment returns. And there's some seriously big funds starting to add it into their models, especially because the previous stage of this was just kind of using algorithms to go through the text. But companies have started to cotton onto that and kind of game the algos by choosing their words carefully. It's much harder to game the audio. And so that will be seen as kind of a valuable addition. So what kind of risks are we looking at if AI plays a bigger role in these investment decisions? I would say broadly, there's two types of risk. There's a risk for investors of just misinterpreting the messages. These conclusions are based mainly on the way native speakers talk. And you don't want, as an investor, to be going, listen to a recording, run it through an algorithm that says, this guy is very nervous, so therefore I'm going to short the company, when in fact he's just speaking a second or third language and was trying to remember a translation. Then secondly, there's kind of ethical risks, as with a lot of AI. Precisely because audio can be a richer source than text, it can bring up more potential for biases. And there's lots of issues around gender or class and stuff that can be flattened in text, but it comes out more clearly in audio. Nick McGaw is a capital markets reporter for the FT. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Kasha Brusalian, Sonia Hudson, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our engineer is Monica Lopez. We had help this week from David Silva, Michael Lello, Peter Barber, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Bromley is the FT's global head of audio, and our theme song is by Metaphor Music.
Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.